If you have your Bibles, open them up. We're, we're in Hebrews chapter 2. We started Hebrews chapter 2 a couple weeks ago, and then we, um, we kind of uh, talked about another topic two weeks ago and um, kind of springboarded out of chapter 2. So I'm just going to start fresh in chapter 2. Um, again, if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 2, read along with me. If you have it on your phone, I use a new King James Version of the Bible. So again, Hebrews was written um, by an unknown author, which I believe to be the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it to Hebrew Christians. So these were a group of believers. So basically, it's written to believers. But again, remember in the first century when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, that there, there was a group of people that had grown up under the law of Moses and under Judaism, and they loved God, and they worked, worshiped God, and they worshiped God with all of their ability and all of their heart. And, and, and then when Jesus dies on a cross in the middle of their lives, imagine you're 35 years old, you're 30 years old, you're 40 years old in A.D. 32, and Jesus dies on a cross, and then the early church begins. Now we transition. Now, none of us have ever had to deal with this transition, so we, we miss it. But it, it is important, and, and it's really prevalent in the Bible in so many places because Paul is dealing with a group of people that have transitioned. They've transitioned from following the law of Moses and relating to God based on law and then coming to grace. And one of the tendencies, that, and for whatever reason, it's funny because this tendency, it still prevails today. There, there, there's always a pull for Christians into legalism. There's always a pull of Christians into rules and regulations and laws. I think it's something about our conscience that the, that the grace of God, a free gift, it, it just doesn't feel like, it feels like we need to do something to earn it. We need to do something and, and we add um, the law. And there's this tendency to go back to the law. But, but the interesting thing is that Timothy says very plainly, and I have some friends, great friends, and I, and I love them. They're Christians. They love Jesus. And they, they say and they believe that we need to still follow the law of Moses. One of my really, really good friends was a, a worship leader at Calvary Chapel, and he did a study in Matthew and was some commentator, and he came to the conclusion in his own life that we as New Testament believers are to follow the law of Moses. And I can remember picking his brain a little bit and having conversations and going back and forth, and and I said to him, well, how, how, how are we supposed to follow the law? And he said, well, you, you follow the parts that you can. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I could still throw rocks. And the Bible says that my teenage children are rebellious and I should throw rocks at them until they die. And, and the law says, you know, and so, you, you know, but unfortunately what happens with those that want to return to the law, even with some of our, you know, our Seventh-day Adventist friends and these ideas where you, you know, you're made more righteous if you follow the law of Moses, it always ends in legalism. It always ends in self-righteousness. Because when you start adding a bunch of rules and regulations to the grace of God, you can't help but think, well, I'm a better Christian than the people that eat pork. I'm a better Christian than those that, that don't worship on the Sabbath on Saturday. And, um, but Timothy tells us, and for some of these folks, and for my friend, you know, and there's so many, I mean, the whole book of Galatians is about it. Um, so many places in Romans and, and, and Timothy, it says that it, it's foolishness to, to use the law of Moses to be made more righteous because the intention, the original intention of the law of Moses was never to make us righteous. It was to expose us as sinners. So if God never intended, from the day he gave it to Moses to today, the law was never, the purpose of the law was never to be made more righteous. And it says very clearly in Timothy that, that, that its, its intention 
was to show you that you need a Savior. The law of Moses was an index finger. It was an arrow. It was a pointer. Like everything in the Bible, it points us where? It points us to Jesus. Everything points us to Jesus. And so, but Paul is dealing again with these Hebrew Christians, these Jewish Christians. They had come out of the law, and there was always some knucklehead, some peanut gallery in those days, um, the second in folks, I call them. Sometimes you might have heard the term Judaizers. The Judaizers was a group of folks that would follow Paul. Now, they didn't have enough... um, They didn't have enough gusto and self-respect and... and, um, to go and and start their own churches and do their own works and gather people. And so what they would do instead was they they were like ambulance chasers and they would follow Paul and Paul would start a church, he'd gather people, and they would come in behind Paul and they would start telling the people, yeah, Jesus is fine, but you need to be circumcised, you need to follow the law, you need to do these things. Now Paul is dealing with that. Again, our our New Testament is constantly dealing with this idea. So here in Hebrews, one of the tendencies is for the Jews to go back. And so Paul is painstakingly, through the entire book of Hebrews, is making a, a very simple case. The entire book of Hebrews could be summed up in, in um, three words. Jesus is greater. Greater, it says that he's greater, he's superior, and then it goes through. And we have a list of all the things that the Bible says. Jesus is greater than the law and sacrifice. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the high priest. And and so we have um, all of these things that we'll get through the chapters that Jesus is greater in. So now we begin in chapter 2. And again, Paul's talking to these Hebrew Christians and, and warning them against going back to Judaism. And then showing them not only that, hey, he doesn't just say, hey, you guys, listen, don't go back to the law. But he's going to move them forward. Rather than focusing on the negative and not going back, he's going to focus on the positive. Listen, Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is superior. And listen, all you need is is Jesus. And everything is in Jesus. And so Paul says in chapter 2, and then also I I, I listed it last week, and I was going to try to move quick with some of the intro stuff, so I'm not going to go back to it this week. But I put up a list a couple weeks in a row of the warnings. There's like 12 warnings in the book of Hebrews. And we get two right here in chapter 2, right in the first verse. It says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. Look at your neighbor and say, earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, don't drift away. If I see you guys falling asleep, I'm going to accuse you of drifting away. Hey, I, I want, I don't know how to, um, I want to overemphasize this point. I don't know how to do that, but I'm going to try. The, the warning here is as believers that, we're, that we don't want to drift away. Now, I want to tell you that I think with all of us in this room, I think that our, our probably going to be our biggest temptation and, and, and things that are going to stumble more people than falling into major sins. If you fall into major sin, addiction, pornography, drugs, alcohol, those things will derail your faith. But, but honestly, I, I don't think that's probably, and, and some, some will, and some, some fall in those areas. But I think more prevalent and, and, a, and, a, and a more um, important thing that we should focus on. And it says here for us to give earnest heed to these things lest we drift away. And I think what I've experienced as being a pastor in church over the years is more people fall into this temptation than, than would into major sin category. Because 
a fade is a slow fade. A drift is slow. It's gradual. It's unintentional. And it can happen to all of us. And so there's a strict warning here that we're not to drift. Any of you guys ever go to the beach? How many of you guys ever went swimming in the beach? Any of you guys ever have your umbrella and your chair and your cooler stolen? Happens to me every time I go to the beach. I get in the water and I'm body surfing for about an hour and I, I, I look up. Someone stole my chair and my umbrella. And then I realize I'm a mile down the beach. And nobody stole my stuff. I've just drifted a slow drift away. Do you guys remember there was a popular Christian song? I think it's pretty old now, but it was about this idea about a slow fade. And it says, when you give yourself away, people never crumble in a day. The journey from your mind to your hands is shorter than your thinking. Be careful if you think you stand. You just might be sinking. And it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. And thoughts invade choices made a price will be paid when you give yourself away people never crumble in a day it's a slow fade daddies never crumble in a day it's a slow fade families never crumble in a day it's a slow fade and listen it's it's a warning that we all have to be on our guard for how do we keep ourselves from drifting how do we keep ourselves from falling into this thing you know you know the bible says that we're not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together and one of the things, and again, you know, um, somebody who's just crazy on fire for Jesus and just is moving forward and loving God and wants to be used by God and wants to do things for God's kingdom, wants to build for themselves a reward in heaven. And that's what motivates me. I really do. I'm selfish. You know, I'm, 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 I'm working for myself. God says, I have to serve all you folks, and I love to do it in serving you. But honestly, I'm motivated because I believe there's a reward in heaven one day, and I'm working for that. And folks that get behind that, you don't, you know, hear these folks crazy on fire saying this, but I hear a lot of Christians say, oh, well, I, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And, you know, the truth is you don't have to go to be a church being a Christian. Church is not what saves you. Jesus saves you. But the underlying truth is that if you are a Christian, you should want to go to church. And, 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 and there's a reason why the Bible says do not forsake the gathering of the brethren together. And part of it is it keeps you from that slow fade. You know, you, do you realize, look around. There's, there's empty chairs, and there's faces you used to see in this church that you don't see anymore after COVID. And for some of those folks, it was a slow fade. They stopped going to church during COVID, and then they had an elderly person in their home. And, and, and when, you know, you know we, we shut down the church for about seven weeks. Most of America did. It wasn't that long, but it was seven weeks, and we did online, and we came back. And then they didn't come back right away because they, you know, because of COVID and this and that. And then eventually it wasn't major sin. It wasn't a major fall. It wasn't rejecting the faith. This doesn't say that, that they've rejected the faith. It says that they've left the faith. And then over time, that slow fade of not being in church and not being around believers and not doing things of God eventually have its form. And it doesn't take long. The Bible says that the word of God is, is a bath and you bathe in it. Now, how, how would you smell if you don't bathe for a week? How would you smell if you don't bathe for a month? Not only will you stink, you will have stinking thinking. And it's the same thing. The Bible says the Word of God is food, and it's nourishment to your body. And, and if you don't eat for a day, maybe some of us could afford to miss a meal or two. But, it, but you will starve to death if you don't eat. And, and the word of God is necessary part of your spiritual diet and you will begin to starve. You will begin to fade. 
and it's a slow fade, and doing little disciplines. You know, I can remember being a young believer in Bible college, and, and I was attending a new church for me. And over the years, there were certain couples that came to church. And every time the doors were open, they were there. Sundays, when everything happened. And I would see them. And I wouldn't say they were like um, super Christians. They weren't teaching Bible studies. They weren't, you know, doing a bunch of missions work and things. They were just consistent in loving Jesus, being in church all the time. And, and their lives were so consistent and never broken. And, 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 you know, not that they didn't go through things, but there was a consistency of just being in the body of Christ on a regular basis that just kept our life in a consistency. Because if, if, if we get away from the things of God, we'll begin to drift. You know, you can't lose your salvation. But I, I could probably make a pretty good case that you could leave your salvation, that you can forsake it. And sometimes it's a slow fade. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is warning the seven churches. And in, the, in um, the church of Thyatira, Jesus says to them, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I'm going to skip forward. Um, in verse number five, he says, Remember therefore, oh no, nevertheless, verse four, I have this against you, that you have left. Look at your neighbor and say left. Now look at the neighbor on your right and say left. Listen, they left. This is the idea. They left it. They didn't lose it. It wasn't taken from them. They left it. And Jesus says to this church, I have this against you. You've left your first love. How many of you guys know somebody who's left the faith? We know folks that used to walk with the Lord and are not walking. Let, let me rabbit trail for one minute, you guys. Let me do a little bit of housekeeping. Um. We have people that come to church and they leave. Just recently, I, I had someone ask me, hey, have you seen such and such brother? And they said, oh, I ran into him in town, and he said he's not going to church anymore. And I said, I had no idea. I've never talked to him. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why he left or why he's not going to church anymore. This is the housekeeping part. I have an open-door policy. If, if something is bothering you, if you don't like something, if something is going on, Please come and talk to me. You are more than welcome any time to come and talk to me. I will, I will try to work it out. We'll talk it through. Hopefully we can come up with a solution. And ultimately for everybody that's in this building, listen, you need to be in the church where God has called you to be. Okay, that may be this church. It may be another church. And, and, and I, I, what I want is for you to walk with the Lord. I don't necessarily need you all to stay in this church. That's, that's not the goal. The goal is for you to be in love with Jesus and to walk with the Lord. That's what makes my life. That's what makes me happy. And you need to do that exactly where God calls you. So don't leave if God's telling you to stay. Don't stay if God's telling you to leave. But listen, if you do leave because you're upset about something and you don't talk to me, I'm not going to chase you down. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to say, hey, you know, here's the deal. I have an open door. You are welcome to come talk. If you come talk to me, I will bend over backwards to love you and help you and serve you and anything I can do to try to fix the problems and, and make things better for your, for your church experience. But I'm not ch if somebody doesn't have the, the decency to come and talk to me before they get mad and leave, I'm not chasing you down. Because a lot of those people, they don't want me to call them anyways. But come talk, amen? All right, sorry, rabbit trail. So in Revelation, it says they've left their first love. And Jesus said, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Again, these terms, leaving, falling, repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And so the idea is to repent and seek Jesus. And he says, do those things that you did at first. You know what that means? How many of you guys, I can remember. So 
crazy things I did when Lydia and I first met. I don't know that I still do all those things, you know, but over-the-top things, right? And, and when you first fall in love with somebody, when you're courting, you know, for, for Lydia and I, it was like we'd spend all day together. And then, and then we'd get home like midnight, you know, and she'd go to her house and I'd go to my house and we'd pick up the phone. And back in those days, it was this thing and like plugged into the wall and it had this cord that came out. And then it had this receiver thing you picked up with a cord on it and you put it on your ear. No, actually, we were uptown. We had those cordless phones by then. Um, you know, and then we'd lay and talk to each other until we fell asleep at night. And, and just we did all those things because we were falling in love. And when you met Jesus and you fell in love with Jesus, you did those things. You came to church. You got excited about the things of Jesus. And then over a slow fade, over time, those things can fade in our lives. Listen, I, we need to. I need to. I'm preaching to myself. I need to be on guard from a fade. And listen, I want to just, this is what I want you all to understand. It, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a sinner. It just makes you human. But you are more than capable of fading if you don't stay in the barrel. If you don't stay under the spout where the blessing comes out, if you don't stay under the umbrella of God's protection, we are all in danger of drifting away from relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that, that the intimacy that God desires for you, and eventually it can get to that point if, if you drift far enough away. Now, I got two ideas for you on how to um, not fade away. The first one comes out of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. And you guys, this is so revolutionary. I don't think I've ever taught this here. Man, it says, read your Bible and pray every day. <laughs> listen, listen, this is out of God's word. The book, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, and that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God's word promises you that if you will meditate on the word of God day and night and be careful to do all that's in it, God will give you prosperity and success. Raise your hand if you want prosperity and success. And if your hand's not up, you're a liar. Right? Like, um, and God's word promises it in a very simple recipe. And, and listen, this is the thing. There's a diet. Now I want to tell you the two. The Bible makes a case about the morning devotion. We call it doing devotions. Listen, if you're a part of this church, it is imperative that you develop a personal devotional time daily. It's how we keep ourselves from the slow fade. It becomes contagious. It becomes electric. Do you realize that God wants to use your life? God has a plan for your life. One day you're going to stand before Jesus, and the Bible says that you're going to go through a thing called the Bema Seat of Christ. It's a judgment for believers. There's another judgment in the Bible in Revelation called the Great White Throne Judgment. Believers will not stand at the Great White Throne Judgment. It's not for us. It's only for non-believers. But for believers, we're going to be judged and given a reward because the Bible is very clear. Do, you, do a study. If you want a fun study, go through, get a concordance, go on Google, and start studying all the places in the New Testament where the idea of reward in heaven is presented. It's overwhelming. Jesus talked about it a ton. Paul talked about it. Peter talked about it. John talked about it. They, they, it's all through the New Testament. God is not ashamed or hiding the idea that, that there is a reward based on our works. Works don't get you to heaven. But what you do for Christ will last. Jesus said to some was given five cities and to some was given two cities. 
And so there's, it says that we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And there, there is a reward that God has for us. And, 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 you know, like Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, we like to use that as an analogy because Jesus said, store up for yourself what? Treasures in heaven. So you're to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And Jesus, another place, says he's building mansions. So I see it like, like when you do things for God that God has motivated you, God has called you to, we're earning reward in heaven at this Bema seat of Christ. It's like you're sending up materials that Jesus is using to build your house. That's why we joke and say, you know, some people get to heaven and it's two sticks laying, leaning next to each other, you know, and you, you, you barely, you know, the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, he's in heaven. Same streets of gold you and I are going to walk on. But his house ain't very big. He, didn't, he never sent up rewards, right? And so we, we're, we're doing these things for the Lord and we're sending up um, um, treasures and we're motivated. Now listen, all of that is born out of the time you spend alone with Jesus. That was a lot to say, to not miss that point, that everything we do for Christ, everything we're going to be rewarded for in heaven, it starts in the time that you're alone with Jesus. Jesus said this, go into your room and do what? Okay, what did he say you're supposed to do with the door? He said, shut the door. And he said, your father in heaven who sees you in secret will reward you openly. But if you, if you only do those things of God when other people can see you, then, then that is your reward. You're robbing yourself. And when people look at you and go, wow, look at you, you're praying, you're, you're, so, you're so righteous. Jesus said, enjoy that compliment because that's all you get. He said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Why we don't make a big pomp and circumstance. You know, some churches, they, they have the elders of the church stand up with these open trays, and then they make everybody get up and, and carry their offering to the front and put it in these trays, and the guy will look at you, you know, you drop the five in there, and he'll look at you like, really? Huh? 